Hi, I'm Rick Tittle, and this is the Rick Tittle Podcast on the 8 Side Network. Join me as I get busy with the biggest names in sports and entertainment. And it's a big week when it comes to uh, things going on in uh, outer space, as we like to say. Beginning on uh, Monday, there's a two-hour documentary on the Science Channel called NASA and SpaceX Journey to the Future. It'll air the next day on Discovery, and then the biggie on uh, Wednesday, the 27th, 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 o'clock out here, Space Launch Live, America Returns to Space, and this is going to capture the launch of SpaceX's crew on the uh, Dragon capsule. And joining us to talk about that is veteran astronaut and spacewalker Mike Massimino, Who's, this is the third time in about a month. Mike, we're going to have to start paying you now, my friend. <laughs> really? Thank goodness. <clears throat> kind, of, kind of slow with this virus. No doubt. Now, here's the thing that I didn't know, and I admit my ignorance. I thought SpaceX and Elon Musk and NASA didn't team up, but I'm wrong here, aren't I? Oh, yeah. They, uh, that, they have, they've been teaming up for a while, Um when we lost the space shuttle, we lost the capability to fly people to the to space, but also cargo. And so for a couple of years, we had no way to even get cargo up there. We were depending on our international partners to, to do that. And with a contract with SpaceX and another, another uh, company called Orbital Sciences, we started launching cargo a few years ago. So SpaceX has been providing launch services to the space station for cargo and for other satellites and so on, working with NASA. Uh, for years now, but this the different thing that's different now is that we're going to be flying people uh, for the first time on a SpaceX vehicle. Well, that's the thing we hear about this Russian monopoly. And look, uh, there's no government in outer space, and they're all scientists are, you know, brothers and sisters, what have you. But you know, there's a Russian flag on the sleeve, and there's an American flag on the sleeve. So, does it? Personally, do you kind of think, hey, it's been long enough, we need to get some Yankee doodle dandies up there? Yeah, I, I think so, uh, absolutely. Um, if nothing else, uh, it's just a, another way to get to space. For the past nine years, we have been, we've only had one way to get there, and that was been the Russian Soyuz. When we had the space shuttle system, we had, uh, we had the shuttle and we had, uh, we had the Soyuz, and now we've been relying totally on the Soyuz. Um, and we've all the Americans that have flown, including my friend Chris Cassidy, who's up there now, had to go to Kazakhstan and launch on that Russian vehicle, which is which is okay. But it's a whole different story launching from the United States, and the the sense of uh, the sense of the whole um, culture down there at the Kennedy Space Center, and they've been still launching things. They just haven't been launching people uh, since 2011, but they're starting to awaken again, uh, and it's it's really exciting to see that happening. And, and it's, it's, I, I think it's very special, especially for American astronauts to be able to launch again from the United States. You can invite a, a lot of people can attend. Um, it was very difficult to get family and friends over to Kazakhstan for those launches. It just didn't have the same, the, the same appeal to it, I don't, I don't think. Uh, and, and also we're not reliant on, on, on just one source or just one other country to help us. You know, we now will have SpaceX and hopefully Boeing not too much further uh, along this year. We'll also be launching astronauts. And who knows, uh, the the administrator of NASA now is future-minded and wants to have even more uh, companies involved sending people to space. So this could open up a whole a whole new set of opportunities that we could only uh, dream about before. 
Yeah, I remember in, I think it was 2001, where we gathered around at the office here and watched on our computers a little postage stamp-sized screen of the launch in Kazakhstan of the Sirius satellite. I mean, that's hmm. the only place that they were going to get it up. Really? A couple more, yeah, a couple more questions for Mike Massimino. Um, I remember during the Clinton administration, when all the military bases were being closed, that he was thinking about getting rid of NASA. Was that ever a real thing? Did that ever get close? I, what I heard, um, and this is a little bit before my time, I was uh, finishing up grad school around that time, and then went to work in the in the for a government con- at the Johnson Space Center, but not for NASA. And for what I remember, that was going on at that time was that the space station uh, was primarily an American space station up till that point, and. It was it had a lot of cost overruns, and it was uh, maybe not doing as well as people had thought. And so the change was was made to make it an international space station, and it was seen that the the cooperation with the Russians was seen as something of value, and that sort of got it through Congress. I, I, I you know, Rick, you're, you're testing my memory here. It was so long ago now, but but I think it was, and I don't necessarily pay. I don't always pay attention to anything going on politically there but I, I think what happened was is that it very narrowly passed through the senate and i, I what 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 uh, what the appeal was not only to get a station up there but also to get an international agreement together and to work with the russians because at that point you know it was it was very close only a couple of years after the uh, the turn of the government in uh from communism from the soviet union to to russia a few years earlier, and they wanted to try to get a, a friendly way to work together, and certainly space is. And we work very well with our Russian counterparts, particularly at the astronaut-cosmonaut level. There's no issue. Sometimes our, you know, our governments might have a different story. But, um, but yeah, it was pretty close. I think it was more, I don't know if it was really going to get rid of NASA. I think it was more that uh, the space station was in danger. And uh, with the international cooperative agreements, it was able to save it. Very well. All right, let's talk about what the Dragon capsule is going to do you got some veteran astronauts bob Benkin and doug hurley these guys are friends and you know this isn't mm-hmm. a tesla with a mannequin in it these are real guys what yeah. are they going to be doing when they go up their uh, their job is to is to uh, to be test pilots on this flight uh, doug is a is a military test pilot uh, marine corps uh, aviator went through test pilot school was a test pilot uh, bob is uh, is an air force guy he was a a, a test flight engineer He's also got a Ph.D. We called him Dr. Bob because uh, he was it's kind of unusual. I mean, I had a Ph.D., but I'm a civilian. He was a military guy with a Ph.D., so that was a, a little more unusual in the astronaut office. But a real smart guy, but also went through test pilot school. Uh, and so both of them have been through test pilot school. They're, they're veterans of, uh, of a couple flights each on the space shuttle. And um, on, this, on this flight, it's primarily a test flight. In fact, it is a test flight. To see how the how the, the vehicle performs, they're going to send it through its paces. Because they're uh, like-minded uh, test pilots, they'll be they'll know what to look for. They'll be making taking notes and making observations and and seeing how it handles and any problems with the systems or anything that could be better and lessons learned to hand on. That's what they think about is how to test the vehicle, and that's what they'll be doing. They'll be doing this one in space. And this is. This isn't just going up and coming back. They're going to be up there a while, right? Yeah, it's 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 not. We're not exactly sure how long they're going to be up there. It could be anywhere from around thirty days to like one hundred and nineteen days, and uh, so they're going to be up at least for a month or so. 
and maybe longer. A lot of it depends on uh, the next launch of the of the of SpaceX because there's gonna they want to get another another SpaceX vehicle up with uh, with a crew uh, that is going to stay on space station for more like six months. And so, based on how all that works out logistically. Uh, they may come back uh, earlier or later, but I, I think they, I think the idea is to try to keep them up there as long as they can <laughs> to get as much data on how the vehicle does in the vacuum of space because the thing's got to be able to do well while docked for a while. You know, it's got to stay alive in the in the high radiation uh, vacuum of space in order to get get people home. So I think they would like to extend the mission as long as they can. But right now, which is kind of unusual, usually you have an idea that when we're coming back, you may that can change. It always seems to change a little bit. But in this case, they really have an open-ended time frame on this. They're not really sure exactly when they'll be coming back. So when they come back, do they come back and land like the shuttle, or do they come back in a little pod with parachutes like the Apollo guys? Yeah, this is more like the pod. Uh, the shuttle... It was a very interesting spaceship, and we're not, you know, we haven't talked too much about the shuttle. I've been doing a lot of interviews, Rick, but we'll talk about this new spaceship. But if you look at at uh, the the uh, the shuttle, was amazing that it could carry a lot of payload, had a huge payload bay, could carry seven astronauts, and was able to service the telescope, space telescope on my missions, build a space station. It did all those things. It could bring a lot of people back and a lot of cargo back. We brought a lot of stuff back and landed on a runway. Uh, so that made it uh, really cool, but also uh, a bit a bit expensive, and as we we learned, uh, a little dangerous too, having to do all of those things in a very complicated, complex way. With this new vehicle, it's similar in in shape, as, as sort of, uh, to what we've had before, including the the Soyuz and the Apollo spacecraft and spacecraft came before. There's more like a blunt body, what we used to call a capsule, uh, but a blunt body spacecraft. Uh, and that they will land uh, in the ocean, so uh, they will be recovered at sea, uh, not too far uh, from the Kennedy Space Center. So that's what the plan is uh, for for this field: come down in a parachute, land in the ocean, and the recovery ship will go get them. Well, super exciting times, especially if there's a little bit of a dormant period. We're going to have Americans back in space. Remember to check it out Wednesday, the 27th. It's going to be on both. Discovery and Science channels around 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, and we've been speaking with veteran astronaut, our buddy, Mike Massimino. Mike, thanks so much for coming on. I know you're going to be a part of it, lending your expertise and your insights. We're looking forward to seeing it, and thanks again, man. Hey, Rick, I really appreciate it. It's always uh, fun to talk with you, and uh, thanks for the interest. And, and to everyone listening, uh, good luck. Hang in there, and, and, uh, and I, hope, I hope you get a jolt of inspiration from what's going to happen on Wednesday. It's going to be an exciting day. Very cool. Can't wait for that. All right. We'll take a quick break, and we will come on back on SportsBot. You're listening to the Rick Tittle Podcast on the 8 Side Network. Stay tuned for more. Thank you for that. Welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you, nationally syndicated out of San Francisco, and also proudly around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. It's our pleasure now to be joined by Keith Cosro. He is the senior coordinating producer for HBO's Hard Knocks uh, and uh, another new episode of the in-season series debuts tonight covering the Indianapolis Colts. It is episode eight as they uh, face the Raiders, uh, a win and they're in. And uh, as we know, they had some uh, COVID deals going on. Would uh, Carson Wentz play? He did. They lost to the Raiders, and so now they have to win 
at uh, Jacksonville. Keith, thanks for coming on. And um, what's it like just for you as a crew when you've got all these players and trainers and coaches with COVID? And then how do you guys try to keep out of that maelstrom? Well, thanks for having me on, Rick. It's a pleasure. Um, and it was a uh, certainly a crazy week for our crew out in Indianapolis. Um, and it's, it's certainly as well for the Colts. And that is uh, well documented in the episode, which, which actually uh, premiered a couple nights ago, but it's streaming on HBO Max anytime. So anybody can watch it as soon as they're finished listening to our conversation. But it was... Uh, it was a crazy week, and you could see from the word go what a distraction this really is when it hits a team hard. Like, they, first of all, last week the rules were changing by the minute, mm-hmm. you know, with the NFL COVID policies. As first, the CDC changed the policies from 10 days to five days of isolation, and then the league re- responded, and in the middle of all that, you know, COVID was really hitting the Colts hard. Um, and then Carson Wentz tested positive on Tuesday. It was, uh, it was something to behold. Uh, every, every part of it, we were experiencing it with them. Our crew kept their distance even more than usual last week. Um, and they were able to stay safe, but we were pleased with how it turned out. I think, I think what, this episode shows is a real accurate portrayal of what all these teams are going through right now as, as uh, the Omicron wave rips through uh, everybody. I've always been a huge fan of hard knocks. And for me, it is the ultimate reality show because in other reality shows, people know the cameras are on. So they act tougher than they usually would or more victimized or whatever. They get dramatic. But for NFL players, they're so used to having cameras in their face that they usually will go about their business. Have you ever had anybody look over at you and say, hey, can you turn that off? Or they all just have bought in? I will say the Colts especially have been an incredible partner. They now, this is the first time we've ever done it in season. So this was a leap for everybody involved. And we will be forever grateful to the Colts for for taking, for being the first ones to, to take this leap, which is something that, that I think fans have wanted for a really long time. Um, and I think part of what has made them so comfortable is that we were with them from the beginning, from the start of the season. We We were kind of had a light presence the first half of the season, but we had our unmanned robotic cameras set up in their meeting rooms already. Mm-hmm. And we were shooting with them one or two days a week, wiring guys at practice, miking up the coach, Coach Reich at games. So by the time we really got there with the full army in uh, midseason, which isn't really an army, it, it, it's, a, it's a pretty out-of-sight crew, the team was very used to it. And like you said, these guys are used to being mic'd up. They're, they live their lives on camera. It, it's really not a big deal for them, I don't think. It, it's certainly different to have cameras shooting you while you're in meeting rooms doing, doing your job um, out of the public eye. But I think it's something that everybody gets used to. And to answer your question, uh, no, not really. There haven't been many occasions at all if any, this season where they've said, turn, you know, 
turn the cameras off. It just hasn't been an issue. And I think, I think the show reflects that. Anybody who's seen it, um, I think would probably agree that you, can, you can't ask for a more open and honest portrayal of a team. Do you, I mean, as a broadcaster, as someone who's creating content, you want something compelling, obviously, but do you think, oh my gosh, wouldn't it be great if T.Y. Hilton would be like Antonio Brown and quit the team and take his shirt off and do jumping jacks in the, in the end zone? Or, you know, how, how does that work? Because you don't want to be the news story, so you just kind of just let it roll and truth is stranger than fiction in the end anyway? Well, that's such a good question. I, I You know, we've unfortunately had to deal with the Antonio Brown situation a, a couple of years ago when we did Hard Knocks with the Raiders. Yeah. And, yeah, it's great for ratings and buzz, but it's a very tricky and difficult situation as it unfolds to try to make a show. And, and you know, there's a lot of issues there, you know, that are that are happening with him, and, um, and we hope everything works out. But, it, no, we're not... We're not rooting for, you know, that sort of bombastic um, train wreck television. <laughs> I mean, it, it's it's, and we don't, look. You know, it's great. It's great TV, right? Like we all want great TV. We all want the world to be talking about it. But what we really want with this show is to present to fans the NFL as it is, and by and large. The NFL is made up of pretty extraordinary people. To get to the NFL as a player or coach, you have to be so good at this, so committed to it, so smart, so disciplined. There aren't that many people who make it that far and and are just a mess of a person and, and have so many issues that, it, that they are that, you know, sort of, uh, you know, stereotypical reality show character. Some of them have outsized personalities, of course. But, you know, we, our aim is just to show the NFL as it is, to show a team and, and, and to do it in real time on Hard Knocks is the ultimate challenge for us. And I, honestly, I, we were not sure this was ever going to happen. And to get an opportunity to do it during a season – with a group like this Colts group, which is, boy, are they an impressive group of people. I, I mean, we couldn't be happier with, with what we've gotten here and with the cooperation they've given us and, and, and with what they've allowed us to show the world about who they are and what they've gone through, both good and bad. A couple more questions for Keith Cosro from uh, Hard Knocks, uh, Episode 8, debuting tonight on HBO. Um you know, over the years, one of the more compelling parts of this show is watching guys get cut in a very kind of guilty, voyeuristic way. We we watch a guy's dreams come to the end, and if they're lucky, maybe they get on the practice squad or another team picks them up. But we've seen many coaches just, you know, they're very matter-of-fact, hey, man, uh, proud of you, you worked hard, uh, it's not going to work out here, but keep working hard, you never know. But I remember with Wade Phillips, he wouldn't ball, but but he would cry. You know, he'd he'd get teary eyed and and whimpery and say, "I'm really really sorry." And and so for you, and I remember when Hugh Jackson's mother died, and he stayed at work, and then Dorsey kind of gave him a hug. And for for you, what are some of those more poignant moments that you've captured? Well, you know, we've had a 
a situation this season with the Colts that's unlike anything we've ever dealt with, and it's just been heartbreaking to watch it unfold. And 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 also, in a way, gratifying to document is is the Colts Pro Bowl center Ryan Kelly. Um, he and his wife lost their uh, their child at, when she was 22 weeks pregnant a few weeks ago, mm. um, and uh, they. It's it's just been obviously a horrific and, and, and terrible ordeal for for that family. Um, but to see the the way the Colts have dealt with it, the way he and his wife have dealt with it, um, and then in this episode he comes back to work, and it's 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 really the third episode consecutively that's that's addressed this situation in a real head-on way with some extraordinarily intimate moments. Um, this week in this episode, you see uh, Callan Jackson, the, um, one of the owners of the Colts, one of the Ursays, um, she gives Ryan a game ball from, from the, the, a couple weeks ago, and it's, it's, it's another emotional moment, and, and the way he's handled it, and the way the team has rallied around Ryan and his family and supported him is is something that I think reveals a side of the NFL that we don't get to see very often. Um, to your point, you know we've 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 had a few emotional situations over the years with this show, but um, this one's been really quite extraordinary, and I think. You know, ultimately, that's that's why we think Hard Knocks is such an important part of the NFL landscape because it's in these moments that we realize these 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 are just normal people like all of us who who have good things happen to them and bad things happen to them and and hit obstacles every day, some tragic that they have to overcome and keep going and find a way to to carry on, especially in, 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 in this time that we're all dealing with, where we're just seeing tragedy all around us every day. Um, I think it can be uh, really inspiring and powerful to, to, to see it and to see how, how other people handle it like this. We just have a, about a minute left. The NFL, it's very rare that they're going to openly root for a team, but they really want the Colts to beat the Jags, so the game they flex to Sunday night, Raiders and Chargers will have some significance of a you know win and you're in. Um, you can never discount a team, but uh, th- they're not going to go to Jacksonville and choke, right? They're going to win? <laughs> I sure hope not, because that, that would not be a fun hour of television to produce next week if they lose. It, will be, it would be powerful, but it would be very difficult. But I... I think this is a team that's very professional, very focused. If you've watched the show, you've seen that Frank Reich has a, a tremendous handle on this group. Uh, they're, they're very unified, and I think they're focused. They stumbled against the Raiders, um, and I think uh, they're determined not to let that happen again. So I would be very surprised if they don't uh, get the job done in Jacksonville this Sunday. 
Hard Knocks in season, new episode, episode eight, debuting. Uh, it's uh, going to be there on, uh, well, it's already out. It came out on Wednesday. Make sure to check it out and um, on HBO, uh, obviously. Yeah, been spe- HBO Max, streaming all the time. HBO Max as well, uh, the app. Make sure to get that as well. We've been speaking with uh, senior coordinating producer Keith Cosro. Keith, great stuff, man. Thanks for coming in and uh, have a good time in Jack's. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. This has been the Rick Tittle Podcast on the 8 Side Network.